Welcome to the Preserving Family Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip you to gain insight, information, and inspiration to help you protect, teach, and guide your family during these turbulent times. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to help you strengthen and preserve your own marriages and families. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Mark and Janie Ogletree. Welcome everyone today. We're so glad that you're with us and uh, thank you for your interest. You know, last week we had a we we covered a great topic in our mind. We think there's so much relevance to it. And we talked about, you know, what we would call adult children and their parents and the relationship between adult children and their parents and their in-law parents. And today we went our you know, our our approach last time was definitely from the adult parents' perspective down to their children. Kind of They're, speaking to the parents. Right, right down to their adult children. Yes, yeah, speaking to the parents. And today, we're going to try to reverse that direction and, and you know, kind of talk about, okay, but what does it look like from the children, you know, married children. Adult children. Yeah, yeah the married adult children up to their parents and their in-laws. And once again, we know that this can be a sensitive topic. In fact, we have received a lot of comments from people and a lot of feedback. A lot of people have high emotions when it comes to this topic, right? Right. And some people gave some suggestions and it made us think, okay, why don't we spend a little bit more time on that adult, uh, you know, the parent adult relationship from the adult parents perspective? Gosh, I know that's a mouthful to say just for a few minutes and then we'll transition uh, and go the other direction for a minute. Right. Um, when you say the phrase in-laws to like this generation of adult children, right. you're likely to solicit a lot of mixed feelings, you know, from the men and the women. It's because parents, you know, come and in-law parents both come with their own set of flaws and quirks and personalities, some worse than others, right? Everything from a little meddling in your business to downright rude, downright huge, yeah, you know, cantankerous, horrible relationships. And um, and we want to say, you know, before we go any further, we know that that many people have incredible relationships with their parents and with their in-law parents. You know, we know that. But then there is a lot. There are a lot, you know, that yeah, that, that are not having a great experience out there right now. And I think I think those that do have good relationships with their with their parents and with their in-law parents, you are so blessed. And I think. That is such a great blessing, but I think it takes real two sets of really Christ-like people, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to make that happen. You know, I think you have to be very kind, and and that's honestly the relationships that I see that are so horrible. <laughs> it's some somebody's being very prideful or mean or has issues. You know, there's an issue, and and they're very difficult to maneuver. And I'm not gonna lie, I've seen, and you have too, Mark. You know, in your counseling and yeah, we've in, in your other work that. There's some that are not easy. And I think that's who we evoked a lot of emotion from this week and a lot of comments and letters and texts and emails from is people that are just really out there struggling with these relationships. You know, this this reminds me, Janie, that uh, a few years ago, we, we kind of got hooked on the sitcom Everybody Loves Raymond. And it was funny because when that show was on prime time, when it actually was running, I don't think we ever even watched it or <laughs> no, even knew we, about it. We missed that. We, we found it about, out about it years later, but it's it's really funny. It's so funny. Because. The, the whole sitcom <laughs> is built on this, this, relationship. this relationship between this uh, husband and wife who live across the street from their his, parents, their in-law parents. His parents, yeah. His parents. And the funny 
crazy situations, getting along with the mother-in-law, the daughter-in-law, but they built a whole nine, ten season sitcom on this relationship. On on (laughs) in-law relationships, yeah. And some of them are so funny. If you ever need any comic relief and if you're having struggles... Just watch an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond, and it'll probably make you feel a lot better about <laughs> your relationship, right? But for so for these young marrieds, we've heard so many stories over the years. And some of the funny ones, you know, that kids have to deal with is parents who probably announce their kids are pregnant online for everybody to know <laughs> when, you know, they're two weeks pregnant. Um, people that are parents who have, you know, gone on and posted pictures before they've even announced which I sadly to say, I think I did that once. I learned my lesson. <laughs> you cannot post before your own kids post about their child, right? Right. Um, we've heard funny stories about parents who just go in and make themselves home at home in their own kid's house that have a, somehow found the code or the key to their house and just go in and, and take over. We've heard stories about mother-in-laws who call every day <laughs> to find out what their daughter-in-law is making for dinner that night right. and compare themselves and you know we just hear some crazy stories or people kids that we had there was one couple who when she brought her almost fiance boyfriend home to meet her parents the parents kept calling him by her ex-boyfriend's name on purpose and they still <laughs> laugh about this to this day they're like what were they doing you know <laughs> so what was the point of that yeah <laughs> you know i don't know there's just on and on the stories we've heard just well my favorite one is the one you shared with me today about the what was it about the the couple that they felt like the mother-in-law was just a know-it-all on everything just always knew everything and so they actually made up what they do they made up a rock group or a rapper they all they all decided to come up with a rapper name just to be funny yeah and And, yeah one day they were sitting at dinner and talking about these rappers and they're like (laughs) They, whatever this made-up name, and the mother-in-law was like, oh, yes, that's my favorite rapper ever, and it was a total made-up name, but she just liked to one-up them on everything. <laughs> right, even even rapping, that's great. So to go backwards just a minute, there are two, I think, huge overarching principles that have come out of our, not just our, dis- our post-podcast discussions, but even the emails and the text messages that we've received from a few people. And I would categorize them like this. There was a, there was one principle of what we would call overstepping boundaries, and the second one is not being supportive. Yeah, the overstepping boundaries seems to be a really big one. That it's huge. Yeah, kids are saying nowadays that their parents are jumping in and kind of begin getting between the husband wife relationship. And so you've got these young kids who have all these huge decisions, like where they're going to go to graduate school, what job they're going to take, what part of the country they're moving to. What even, house they're going to move in, yeah, right? Even down to what they're going to name their children. And we've heard all these stories of parents that get in the middle of this and and take their son away and say, hey, you should do this, you know, without mm-hmm. consulting the wife or, hey, you should do this. And it's not a joint. It's they're still treating the child like he's a minor child at home. And they need to, parents have got to back off. If they come, If your married children come to you, and say, hey, dad, here's a couple options. What do you think? That's great to get your dad's advice, to get, you know, some counsel maybe. But then he needs to go back to his wife and they need to make that decision. The decision is not made between your child and their parents, you know. <laughs> and I'm sure it goes the same way with wives, right? And their, and their mom and dad or whatever, having the, those parents try to influence what their daughter and her husband are going to be doing. Absolutely. Parents, you do not get to call the shots anymore. Mm -hmm. This is between the new married couple. They, again, if you listen to last week's podcast, parents, we've got to stay in our own lane. 
that they have created a new family unit and this is their job to just determine all these decisions together as a newly married couple. And we have to respect that. We right? have to respect that. Right. Yeah. Well, I love that. And then the, the second one was this idea of not support, not supportive. And when I think of not supportive, meaning the, uh, the parents of these adult married children, let's say so, grandparents. So or... you can just say the grandparents. <laughs> yeah. But they're actually not supportive of, let's say, the rules, the standards, the values that their that their children are trying to teach their children, right? And so, for example, we heard we had someone once tell us the story of they were really big on the for, for the strength of youth. They really adopted those standards: don't date until you're 16, you know, only double or group date, you know, wear certain clothing. Yeah, yeah. And then one, you know, the the grandma rolled in and negated everything that the parents had been teaching for three or four years and just said oh that's that's not important that's silly we never we never did that and our kids turned out just fine <laughs> you know and you don't have to and, and the parents are like you're kidding me we just we spent three years building this and you came in one weekend and just destroyed the whole thing you know or or we just hear common complaints about grandparents who you know, the parents have, their kids have chores or whatever. And the grandparents come in and be like, oh, you don't need to do that. Don't do that. Or the parents specifically say, please don't give them candy. And the parent, <laughs> the grandparents are sneaking candy behind their back. Or, you know, there's all kinds of different variations of the same story. But our children need us as adult parents and grandparents to support the rules and the standards that they've laid out in their own homes. I mean, it's different maybe when our grandkids come to our house, then maybe all rules are off or we can do whatever and give them candy. But when, when they are, we are in their home, we need to abide by what they ask and their standards because it's really frustrating to them. And that was definitely one that we heard a lot about, kind of right. a variation of that. Right. So I love what you said, Janie, about staying in your own lane. Once again, respecting the marriage relationship, not viewing your 25-year-old and 30-year-old uh, married children as 12 year olds, right? I mean, those, these are, these are significant principles. And so let's share some data with you uh, just for a minute. According to Cambridge University, psychologist Terry Apter said that three out of four couples report experiencing significant conflict with their in-laws. And then with the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationship being the trickiest to navigate. And I'm sure a lot of you would not be surprised by that. Yeah, it's interesting. There, so the current study from Psychology Today has reported that the most typical complaints that daughter-in-laws have of their mother-in-laws is mm. that they're overbearing, they're pushy. Okay. And okay, we as parents listening to this, let's let's do a little self-inventory, <laughs> right? I think we all need to be like, oh, Lord, is it I? <laughs> right. Um, they're pushy. They're disrespectful of boundaries. We just kind of talked about that a second ago. Um, other reasons for, un for unpleasant relationships between parent-in-laws and daughter-in-law or son-in-law, for that matter, include there's a lot of pressure to have children from... Especially in our LDS culture. Yeah, right? maybe from in-laws. Um, older relatives trying to maintain their authoritative role, authoritative role, like yeah. we know best and I'm going to teach you everything. Well, in, in, in the household. So in other words, we, we're going to come into your house and, and we're going to run over. your house. You're going to scoot over to the side and we're going to take over. Yeah, and that kind of includes the know-it-all or the take-charge mother-in-law. Mm -hmm. um, parents' belief that no one is good enough for their son or daughter. Mm. You know, how many... We hear that We've quite often. we heard that, yeah, we have. Um, conflicting ideas over how to raise children, or even for that matter, how to set up a household, how to cook, how whatever, you know. That... But I still think of, you know, the idea of 
Well, that's not how we raised our children. Mm-hmm. In other words, you should be doing this how we did it, right? Another thing that daughter-in-laws complain about is just personality clashes. You Sometimes know, we just have different personalities. Just, some personalities are rough and hard to get along with. Um, issues about money, maybe maybe parents are hand, you know giving their children money and they feel like now they get to control or tell them what's going on. Mm-hmm. Pressure to conform to religious or cultural norms. Parents that don't like what their children are doing or their own views and how they're living their life. Parents trying to drive a wedge into their marital relationship, which we just into their children's, about. yeah, yeah, relationship. Yeah, you know, this is uh, we go back to these uh, two scriptures that we used last time. The first one from Genesis, you know, shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. You you talked about that, Janie. I think a lot of this idea of that's their castle now, right? That our our married children just created their own family unit, their own household, and that needs to be respected. And then the second verse is in Exodus 20 that we'll all recognize, to honor thy father and thy mother, to honor our parents. And we're going to talk more about this as a general principle in a minute, but sometimes people feel that those scriptural verses may be in conflict, meaning how do you you know, cleave into your spouse and none else and honor your parents at the same time? We know that that can be done, but in order to do that, there probably has to be some boundaries and some expectations set forth, some communication. And so this will be our first principle today as we talk about children, married children, married couples, and their parents and their in-law parents, right? And it is to honor thy father and thy mother. And, you know, it's really interesting when you study the word honor, because I think in our culture, the word honor really means to esteem or respect someone. But the original Hebrew in the Old Testament, it meant, it meant weight, honor and weight. I know that may W-E-I-G-H-T, sound W-E-I-G-H-T. Yeah, W-E-I-G-H-T, which really means weighty or important. So yes, your parents are important. Our parents are important. But that doesn't mean that they get to control our lives or dictate everything that we do, right? Right. As we're now a, a new married couple... You are the prime family, and like we talked about last week, now your parents become the extended family. Right. They are considered extended family, and it's you and your husband or your husband and wife team. Now, mm. that's your family. So our extended family should have a weighty, great importance in our life. I can't imagine our, our lives without grandparents, aunts, uncles, and everyone. But and our grandparents are so important, and we've done – we're going to do a podcast on that soon about how important grandparents are in the lives of families and children. Sure. So they should be a part of that. But they, but given that weight and importance doesn't mean that they get to make decisions in your life. They don't get to get in the middle of you. They don't get to know intimate personal details. They are now on the periphery and you two are the, the core family. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's good, Janie. So that in my mind, this comes to, you know, this concept, once again, of boundaries. You know, we always talk about how fences make good neighbors, but I think it's really important for boundaries to be set in these relationships. And even early on, I think couples need to talk about, you know, a young married couple would need to say, okay, what kind of involvement do we want our parents to have and our in-law parents to have in our lives, you know? And they need to communicate those boundaries in some way. But to start off that way is a lot better than not ever saying anything and 20 years later, realizing that you have a real mess on your hands, it's going to take a long time to try to unravel. 
Now, boundaries does not have to be a nasty word. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of times we think that way. You know, a, a boundary isn't to keep someone out. A boundary is to protect ourselves. It's to take care of ourselves. But they're also to protect other people around us, right? And so by setting boundaries, we can avoid feelings of resentment. You know, that's a huge one. Or disappointment or even anger. And, you know, just a fun one in our family. It wasn't really a, a boundary that was ever written down. But, you know, I wake up really early in the morning, have a long day, have a lot to do. And our kids all knew. It was just a kind of a joke in the family. Don't ever ask dad a serious question after 9 o'clock at night or something hard or that's probably not when you want to tell them that you just wrecked the car you know <laughs> and and it was you know talk about to protect them because they knew that okay he's low on fuel here he's he's exhausted he's tired and if we dump this on him now it's not going to end good for any of us he's a morning person so just <laughs> trust me wait 12 more hours and talk to him in the morning yeah, let's <laughs> talk about it in the morning and you'll get a whole different result right i mean that's that's what boundaries can do for us yeah, I love I love that principle because again, boundaries isn't keeping people away and out. Boundaries it just kind of sets up the rules so that everyone knows that we can all play happily together. We can get along. We're not crossing over. You know, we're not triggering people. And I think that's just so important with young married couples is they need to sit down even before marriage or right after marriage and figure out what do we want our family to look like. How do we want to go forward? How do we want to involve? You know, your family, my family, all the extended How do we family. Do holidays. Right. You know? And and then set those boundaries early so that there's no question. And and yeah, some moms, mostly moms, aren't gonna like that sometimes. <laughs> but that's just how it is. And right. they'll get used to it. And, well, <laughs> and if in, they don't, that's another problem. But in the long run though, that it, that will be better for them, right? It will be better for that mother in law or for that mom. You know, if that boundary set, because it does protect feelings, it does protect resentment from building or, or things like that. For example, if you had, uh, let's say, uh, you know, an, an in-law, older couple, grandparents, right? And they just barged into your house every night and, and you were sitting there eating your family dinner and they just kind of came in and took over. And, and if you never said anything about that and you never mentioned it or brought it up, you are just going to fester right I mean, oh it's going to cause all kinds of havoc where just saying hey mom and dad actually this is our dinner time but if you came after and maybe if it was like once a week that would be incredible we would love that or you know? please just give us a phone call before you come because we're not always going to be here or but i think that's another problem too is the lack of communication between the generations right is because you think you're going to hurt their feelings which you might sometimes but i think things have to be stated clearly and early to avoid all this contention and then and down the road are, I mean, it's way right. easier every one of us were well i shouldn't say every one of us but a lot of us are afraid to put that boundary down right because we feel like oh great we're being mean or this is not kind or christ-like but in reality if that boundary can be respected it allows us to be kind it allows us to love and be more christ-like and offer our best selves to each other right and hopefully if you have both couples that can sit down and communicate in a christ-like adult manner you can work things out it's mm -hmm. when feelings get involved and emotions and past things that were said and inferences then it just gets so sticky and messy just builds up doesn't it over time a second principle can build on that verse we mentioned earlier in Genesis 2.24 that therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. You know, Janie, like you, you've talked about, like we talked about in that last episode, you know, that this 
these this married couple, as we've said, becomes a unit. They're a family, and the 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 spouse becomes preeminent. And this is President Kimball. He said the words "none else" eliminate everyone and everything. And he's quoting the verse from from Doctrine and Covenants forty two twenty two that. Thou shalt love thy wife with all thy heart, shall cleave unto her and none else. He say none else eliminates everyone and everything. The spouse then becomes preeminent in the life of the husband or wife, and neither social life, nor occupational life, nor political life, nor any other interest, nor person, nor thing shall ever take precedence over the companion spouse. Therefore, nothing comes before our spouse, not even our own parents, right? There you go. And so once again, this becomes, and that's something that not only parents of young married children have to ensure, right? Or in other words, we want to help you become close and drawn together in a, in a significant unit with power, but also the couple needs to say, okay, this is going to be us. We've got this. We're not going to call your parents every time something goes wrong or we can't figure something out or we need money or whatever that principle is. And also, we're not going to tell our parents, oh, he did this and she did this and, you know, yada, yada, yada. This is between you two and not, we don't, again, like, don't be running to your parents every time you have a crisis. You two together need to figure this out. A young bride recently told us that she said, I think a big issue with especially young brides is oversharing private material or private marital details with their parents. Mm. She said, it definitely took me a few times early on of oversharing and then feeling sick about it for me to ask myself each time that I talked to my family is, oh, how would I feel if my husband were saying these things about me to his parents? Right. It's so easy to vent to our parents about issues in our marriage. And I think it's super counterproductive when we aren't going to our spouse first. Obviously, there are some select problems that probably should be shared with somebody we trust. But I think that we are definitely way, there are way too many mother-in-laws out there who know way too much about their son-in-laws and vice versa. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that was so smart and bright of her. I had somebody tell me once when we were early married too, is, is don't share that kind of stuff with like, if you're mad at your spouse and you guys have a fight, or if you have maybe have intimacy challenges or whatever it could be, or financial challenges with your kids, that you don't go tell your family and friends, because maybe that night you made up, right? You had a big fight, you made up, you moved on, things are good again. But now your family or your close friends still see your spouse in a bad way or in a bad light. And so... And everything's okay now at this point, right? Right. And so you don't need to share all that intimate. Go to your spouse and work things out. Go talk to them. That's sometimes conflict in marriage is good because then you can work it out. You talk things out. And then you can move on and grow and change from there. Right. But we it's not a its not a time to go share all your dirty laundry with everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm going to call this one the third principle, and I call it the principle of reciprocity. And this is really interesting, but if you think about it, as children, as we're growing up, you know, and our parents are, are nurturing us, they're teaching us, they're loving us, they're helping us along the way. And, and I hope this doesn't sound wrong, but in a lot of ways, parents don't get a lot of that out of that relationship, especially when we're like infants, right? And, and young children, and they're pulling us along. Obviously, when children become teenagers, when we can start having that adult conversation with our parents and, and doing fun things with our parents, it becomes more of a mutual kind of wonderful relationship that benefits both sides. But what the principle of reciprocity says is that the the relationship has to go in two directions. For example, 
if you if you have a relationship with someone, yet they never call you, they never text you back, they never do anything with you, it's always you driving the relationship, I like to tell people that's not a relationship then. That's, that's something else. A relationship has to go in two directions. So now that you're married, right? Now we're talking to our young marrieds for a minute. Now that you're married, you are in adult status for sure. And the principle of reciprocity says that you're an adult. And so just as your parents give to you and they share things with you and they do things for you, now it's your turn to do some things for them. Or in other words, parents don't always have to be the ones to pay for the meal at the restaurant. Or parents don't always have to be the ones serving and helping their family while their adult children are just being entertained and, and doing nothing. So Rick Miller, or, uh, who's a professor on, on the campus of BYU, shared this experience. He said, often young married couples wish their parents would treat them more like adults. In fact, many parents would say, yeah, we wish our uh, married children would act like adults, right? Act more like adults. And then one seasoned mother made this observation. She said, we would love to treat our married children like adults, but they send us very mixed messages. Just a couple of weeks ago, for example, one of our married children said that we needed to treat her and her husband more like adults. And she accused us of treating them like children. My husband and I agreed to treat them more like adults, but the next day they called up and said they were out of gas and wanted to borrow $20. Anyway, a few days later, they again told us, now make sure you treat us like adults. Then they called and said, hey, we're hungry and we don't have any food, so can we come over and eat with you guys? And so this mother said, we would love to treat our married children like adults, but they don't don't always act like it. Now, we know that that's not a problem for everyone, but think about the principle of reciprocity. You know, the relationship should certainly benefit the young married couple and their children, but the parents should also benefit in some way. And that's what reciprocity is all about. Okay, so speaking to young couples, um, principle four we kind of came up with is assume the good and doubt the bad. Yes. And sometimes that's really hard to do because sometimes when mother-in-laws maybe say things or come in and try to take over or give suggestions. Or father-in-laws. Or or fathers. Or mothers. Right, right? whoever (laughs) it's coming from. But I think we immediately take it personally, like, oh, they mm. must think that I'm failing or I'm not good enough or whatever. But that was one of the comments that, that we received this week <laughs> from, a, from a young mom. And she said, have a little bit of grace for your mother-in-laws. I think generally speaking, she said, maybe I'm naive, but I think that every mother-in-law is tr- isn't trying to offend their daughter-in-law all the time. And she put three laughy faces. Um, she says, I think generally they're trying to help. And being a mother-in-law, I mean, it's true. When I come in, I'm just trying to help and lift their burden. And sometimes I'm sure I've gotten in the way or overstepped my bounds. But I think for the majority of us, I can speak as mother for mother-in-law, is I think we really are trying to help and lift the burden. And, right. you know, and we're just trying to come in and, you know, and see what needs to be done. We're not trying to be offensive. We're not trying to take over. We are trying to bless. Yeah. And so I think everyone needs to give a little bit of grace both ways. And I think that would go really far in the relationship, I remember, building those relationships. I remember, Janie, one time, and I think I can say this because last time I ended with a great story of your dad, and he's not with us, so he wouldn't be too mad if I, if I shared this. But I remember we were riding in my car, and, and I was messing with the air conditioner. And he said, hey, let me, let me teach you how to do this. And he was showing, teaching me how to you know, set the air conditioner right. And, you know, and, I, and I was 
laughing to myself because I'm like, I've been driving this car <laughs> since I was 16. I'm now like 26. I totally know how to set the air conditioner in the, in the car. But truthfully, I think he just felt he was helping. He was just, and I think he just thought I was one of his own kids. So he was just kind of, <laughs> but in, in my mind at the time, I was like, what, are you kidding? You're going to teach me how to do do this. I kind of know how to do it. Right. You know? And I think that's a great example is sometimes we get our feelings hurt. We get our feathers ruffled over little things like that where, you know, they're just trying to do their best. And let's, let's just extend a help, little grace. You know? Let's give a little mercy. Let's. Breathe, assume the good, assume assume they're trying to help us because they love us or love our children or love our spouse. And I think that is a really big principle that would really help in the relationship. Smooth things over, Mm -hmm. yeah. So principle five, we can base on that scripture about leaving our father and mother and cleaving to each other. But we felt like this was a strong enough principle that we wanted it to stand by itself. And it's just the principle of loyalty. And who are we going to be loyal to? And often, it's, it's, it, this is so significant, and there's so many problems in in-law relationships and in relationships with our, with our own adult parents that, that stem out of this, this principle of loyalty. For example, we, we know of people, we've met them over time, that they actually felt that if they were having fun with their in-law family, you know, if they were enjoying themselves, laughing, or even just spending time with them, they felt they were being disloyal to their own families. And so for that reason, they hung back. They wouldn't engage fully. Uh, in fact, some of them may have even received pressure from their own parents. Like, wait, you're over there again eating dinner again? Okay. And so they feel this, uh, this need maybe to hang back and be disloyal to their spouse and their spouse's family, who in many cases are wonderful people, just trying to have a great time and trying to include everybody. But there may be this tendency to want to be to want to hang back a little bit, right? Um, I think another part was we're talking about loyalty. Another thing that we see a lot is conflict in marriages where maybe they do have differences or issues with their in-laws, or the mother-in-law or the father-in-law says something rude or mean, and the spouse doesn't stick up for them. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, that, that could be disloyalty or seen as disloyalty. I think when we are married, we need to stick up for our spouse. That Again, that's our prime person. I see that a lot in counseling, right? Where where a, a daughter, let's say a wife will come in and say, I'm so mad we just got into this heated discussion with his, my husband's parents over the weekend. And he just stood there and watched while his parents just grilled me. He didn't ever stand up for me. And we see, we've seen that go in both directions, right? Meaning... Or a husband will say that, like, why didn't my wife stick up for me? It's like when her parents talk, she just forgot, forgot that we're married, you know, and, and, you know, that's, so that's another variation of that, that loyalty. It's going to be loyal to your spouse first, right? Right. And I think in so many cases, I mean, it's hard, right? It's hard to go from a dependent child to all of a sudden being married and because your loyalties automatically change. Right. And so I think this, there is a little transition grace period where we're trying to figure all this stuff out. But I think as we grow and develop in our marriage, that that has to be a priority, that our spouse has to be our priority, not our parents. And Mm -hmm. I know it's a process. It's hard. It's hard to get there, right? In fact, a lot of times I think those men or women that are stumped as their parents are arguing with their spouse probably are paralyzed. They're just like, I don't, I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to do here. I love my parents. I love my right. wife or my they're, husband. They're stuck between a rock and a hard place, and it makes a really, really difficult relationship. So another form of this loyalty or even disloyalty 
we heard this experience not long ago, a couple in my counseling practice where uh, they live on a fixed income. They're, they're uh, going to graduate school. I mean, he's a great, wonderful man who's going to be very successful one day, but her parents, who are very wealthy, did not like the idea that her, their daughter was on this fixed budget. So under the table, so to speak, they were slipping her this money and uh, so that she could go out and buy clothes and clothes for their kids and whatever else that they needed. And he felt very, the husband felt very dishonored by that. You know, just talk about disloyalty. He felt like that, that her parents were not allowing them to struggle the way he felt that they probably should because he knew that one day that would pay off. Yeah, someone recently told us kind of along that the line <laughs> is they said somebody in our ward who recently got married said the father-in-law had taken the son-in-law to be aside and told him that he expected that son-in-law to provide the same standard of living to which she has grown accustomed. And that was a lot of pressure for this kid. I mean, <laughs> he didn't even, at this point, wasn't even out of school yet. You know what I mean? But just a lot of pressure that way. That's a lot of pressure when you're 22, 23 years old to think that you're, you now need to move into a 10,000 square foot home and, and uh, drive a super nice car, right? So, and I see that, by the way, all the time. I, that's a, in fact, I dealt with a couple in counseling a few years ago that that was the issue, is the young man that was soon to be the husband thought, I don't think there is any way I'm going to be able to give this girl what her dad was able to give her. And she has expressed that she expects that at some point, you know. So the next principle we want to talk about is that there is opposition in all things, right? I mean, yes. we know that in every relationship, there's there's opposition. None of us see everything the exact same way. There is going to be opposition. It's just about how we handle it. Right. So for some of you, if you already have conflict with in-laws or parents or extended family, we need to end that. We need to find some way to make some peace with it, whether it's through boundaries, whether it's through communication, better communication, whether it's you as spouses getting on the same page and, you know, and being a team. Some of the other principles that we've talked about, we've got to figure out a way to end this because families are forever and we do want our extended family and our parents to be part of our life. We just have to find a way to do it and live peacefully. Right. And I loved Elder Christofferson in the last general conference he talked about in his talk, One in Christ. He said, unity doesn't mean simply agreeing that everybody should do his or her own thing or go his or her own way. That doesn't work. <laughs> we <laughs> right. cannot be one unless we all bend our efforts to the common cause. And so again, assuming that everybody wants to get along and wants to live a peaceful, happy life, let's all bend, which means sometimes we're going to have to sacrifice a little bit. Sometimes we're going to have to communicate better. Sometimes we have to put rules and boundaries in place. Com compromise. Compromise. Right? He said, unity, unity does not require sameness, but it does require harmony. We can have our hearts knit together in love, be one in faith and doctrine, and still cheer for different teams, disagree on various political issues, debate about, debate about goals and the right way to achieve them, and many other such things, right? Which we all, maybe parents see things different or think that we should be doing things different or whatever it is, right? We all can see things different, but we can never disagree or contend with anger or contempt for one another. And the Savior said, for verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hath the spirit of contention is not of me, but is of the devil, who is the father of contention. And he stirreth up the hearts of men to contend with anger one with another. So I think our goal is to, we have to find ways to sit down civilly. We're adults, right? All adults. Yeah, supposedly. <laughs> supposedly all adults. Let's sit down knee to knee and talk heart to heart and 
bend, like Elder Christofferson said. Sometimes we might have to give a little here or give a little there, but let's do it with kindness and Christ-like. And as a team of, of you and your spouse, being a team first, you know, and figuring out what you want and then letting the rest of the extended family know. Right. Right, I, and let's end it. Let's let's try to have Christ in our heart first, and I think that's the only way you're ever going to come to peace and agreement if you do have conflict, you know, with parents or in-law parents. Sometimes we're waiting for the other person to initiate that peace treaty, so to speak, you know. And I know that we've talked about before that we would love it if the parents, you know, the adult the adult parents would take the initiative to restore peace in a relationship. I mean. In our minds, I think we feel that's how it should be. But if those parents aren't coming around, then children, you certainly can take the bull by the horns and take some initiative in healing the relationship. And don't feel bad about that. I've I've sat many hours in counseling with many couples over the years where this son or daughter wrote a long letter, a long, a long email, or made the initial phone call to a parent or an in-law parent and said, you know what, I would love it if we could talk. Or here's an email with my concerns and and my hurt and I hope we can meet and talk about it in person but I've seen that happen quite often and that healing is crucial right I mean you just can't it's no fun to live your life you know with that kind of contention in it and it doesn't always work let's just face it there's some people that are just contrary right there's people (laughs) that are just hard to get along with and we're not always going to find that peace and love and harmony that we're looking for but I think it's worth trying yeah. And, and if it doesn't work, then you set those boundaries and, and move, we move on, on with your life. Because yeah. obviously we can't control a, another person. We can't, all we can do is control ourselves. But I think yeah. we have to forgive in our own heart. We have to kind of f- f- come to find that peace and move on. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Okay, the next principle, and you're catching us if you're hearing the word next, because we completely forgot what number we're on, but that's okay, is to be intentional And to, together as a couple, as a team, as a united front, consider and think about the very best things from both of your families. What's the best from his family? What's the best from her family? And then what are some of our best practices that we want to incorporate into our life? And take those and run with them. You're not going to look like the family that you grew up in. You're going to be different because your spouse is going to be different. You're going to live in different places. You're going to have a different job. You're going to have different church assignments you're going to have different children that give you different challenges so you can't compare because you are a new family create your family not right. the family you came from right i think that's a great point and then the final point today is going to be to rely on each other or in other words you become this incredible incredible team no longer do you need to rely on your parents or or anyone else for that matter for your own happiness and peace. We love the verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. Or in other words, if we fall in a marriage relationship, if one of us is down, we're going we're gonna to lift each other up. We're going to support each other and give each other strength. Like we talked about a few weeks ago, is we pull each other up. We push each other up the hill. We don't compete against each other. We don't turn outward, but we turn inward. So whatever the trial is, we don't go running to our best friend, our girlfriend, or our mom. You know, we don't talk to our buddy. 
we turn inward and that's what builds strong lasting relationships and the earlier that you learn that in your marriage and you guys be a force to reckon with like you being united because if 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 parents or events or world gets between you two it's it's a really difficult <laughs> it's like game marriage over. yeah but if you two are united you have a united front you know, you can set your boundaries, you can let the world know what your family is going to be, then you become a very strong, powerful force. Yeah, and you can help, well, you can deal with all the challenges that come your way, especially if God is in the center of all that. You know, Janie, that reminds me of an experience that we had. I don't know how well you remember it, but we had an opportunity right after we were married to go to Houston for the summer, which is where both of our families live, and to live with with your family and to work. And after considering that opportunity, um, I was the one who just felt really opposed to it. I can't remember how you felt, but but I just felt opposed to it. I felt really strongly that we needed to start our marriage off on our own, without any help from our parents. And you know what? That was a t- that was a great summer. I mean, that was a great summer. One of my favorite summers. I'll always remember just our first summer together as a couple. But we worked a lot. You know, we worked a lot. We worked hard together, and. You know what? It wasn't easy. And in fact, when the end of the summer came and it was time to pay tuition, we were, we came up short. And so we on our on our own had to figure out how we were going to solve that problem, which we did. But we would have never had this great bonding experience had we not relied upon each other instead of other people. And I think that kind of defined who we were going to be as a couple that summer after that. From that point on, yeah, there were challenging things that came up in our marriage and family life, but we had, we knew that we could trust each other. We knew each other's strengths. We knew that the Lord would help us. And in my mind, that made a huge difference in our lives, having forged that sense of independence from others, but dependence, of course, on each other and the Lord. One of the things that we see today that, that could be a little bit alarming is that there are, there's a significant portion of uh, adult parents, you know, that are helping their young married children to an extent that those young married children don't really have any responsibilities. They don't have to work. They don't have to uh, pay for a car or pay for car insurance or cell phones or anything. And I think we would just say to that that we don't want to be too judgmental on that one because there may be real significant needs in that area that parents need to help, that have to help with. But overall, for the most part, just consider, parents, that if you're going to do that, you're removing a really significant part of marriage for a young married couple to forge an identity and to do hard things. And young couples, that might not be fun, you know, because it is <laughs> awesome just to have all that handed to you and paid for. But in that is where the struggle comes with the bonding, the, you know, welding together of your relationship, of your marriage, the figuring out things on your own and really turning inward towards each other and really learning to rely on each other that and t- learning that you can do hard things as a couple. So when it comes to LDS, let's do something. One of the things that we thought of a great little invitation would be to, to maybe show some gratitude to your parents or in-laws if you haven't had the chance to do that in a while. And this is called just being proactive and uh, you know we're here to act and not be acted upon. So if you haven't done something like that in a while, why not send them a nice text? Why don't write them a nice note? Why not invite them to dinner? Or just do something cool like that to show them how grateful you are for them. And if the, if the relationship has been uh, a little bit 
rough or tenuous, that's a great step to take. Thank you so much for being with us today. We know that this was not the easiest topic to talk about, but uh, thank you for being patient with us. We hope there was something said that will help strengthen your relationship with your adult children that are married or adult children married that are listening with your parents or in-laws. Right. And if you have any comments, suggestions or anything, please send them our way. We can do help us on future podcasts because we know this is a hot topic. This is a sensitive topic. This is a topic that I think affects almost everyone. So that would be preserving families podcast at gmail.com. Yes. But thanks again for being with us and have a wonderful week.